All right, Merry Christmas to you. It is great to have you here. I am so thankful we get to do this. It was looking sketchy a little bit, and I apologize to you who are sitting up there too close to the, we have like a water feature happening inside. And so, uh, you know, you may have a Christmas Eve gathering and get baptized today. So uh, congratulations. Um, anyway, one of the things that we love doing Christmas Eve, obviously, is focusing on the Christmas story as found in Luke chapter 2. And so today, to help us do that, I have my friends Emma and Michael and Tessa. They're going to help us get connected to that. Come on up. Okay, okay. So check it out. For almost 2,000 years, the birth of Jesus has been prophesied again and again. Then 400 years of silence. There was no prophet, no word from God at all. Zero zip, nada. But God is always faithful to his promises. That's right. Out of nowhere, bam! An angel appears to Mary and tells her that she's about to become pregnant by the Holy Spirit. She is to name him Jesus, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And his kingdom will never end. Yeah, total miracle. Some scholars say she could have been as young as even 14 or 15. Wait, what? I did not know that. Did you know that? No way. I mean, I'd love to be a part of a miracle, but not that one. Miracle or not, my parents would freak. I would so uh -huh. be grounded. Oh my Same. gosh. Guys, trust me, you won't have to worry about it. You know who was worried? The man she was engaged to, Joseph. Yeah, Joseph was freaked out. But an angel of the Lord appeared to him and told him not to worry. The child in Mary was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph believed God, and he married her. So cool of him. Do we know anything about, like, the wedding? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure it was nice. I really hope so. They deserved to yeah. Anyways, when Mary was in her eighth or ninth month of pregnancy, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census be taken of the entire Roman world. Everyone had to go back to their hometown. So here's Joseph traveling with big pregnant Mary on a donkey for five days. They get to Bethlehem tired and exhausted and... Bam! There's no place to stay. Everyone's traveling and every inn is full. But... But they did have room in the con. Yes, they did have room in the con. What, what is a con? con? Oh, well, you see, it's this like semi-enclosed structure where they keep the animals not so clean with little to no privacy. So Mary gives birth to the Son of God in a barn-like structure. She wraps him in strips of cloth and lays him in the manger. At the same time, in a field nearby, there are shepherds keeping watch over their flocks. When all of the sudden... Bam! An angel of the Lord appears before them. And the glory of God was, like, shining all around them. And they were, like, freaked out. I mean, terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't, Don't be, be afraid. afraid. For I bring you good news, which will bring great joy for everybody, everywhere. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. And this will be a sign. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. When all of a sudden... The sky was filled with angels, and they were all praising the Lord, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace and goodwill to all mankind on whom his favor rests. Well, the shepherds were obviously totally blown away. <laughs> they were so excited they had to go see for themselves. So they rushed into Bethlehem, and just like the angel said, they found Joseph and Mary. And there he was, lying in a manger wrapped in strips of cloth. 
promised Messiah. God with us, the Savior of all mankind. Merry Christmas, you guys. Merry Christmas, Michael. Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you, guys. Well, Christmas has a lot of great things about it, um, one of which it will be you know, enjoying tonight and tomorrow, which is great food, uh, family, friends, but movies, your favorite Christmas movies. Did you get to see your favorite Christmas movies um, this year yet? Uh, you know, one of the reasons why we like these Christmas movies is because um, even if sometimes they're cheesy or whatever, they're striking something in us that is um, deep down hopeful. That good things can happen. That miracles can happen um, even during this Christmas season. You know, I think of some of my favorites like, you know, Buddy. Buddy. You know, comes down from the North Pole, gets reconciled with his dad who abandoned him as a child. I mean, full of hope, reconciliation. That, that's a theme that resonates. Um, Ralphie. Ralphie gets his Red Ryder BB gun and doesn't shoot out his eye. You know, there's, there's hope that some of these things that you think might be disasters won't happen. The Grinch his heart grows three sizes bigger. Bob Wallace and Phil Davis join a sister act, Betty and Judy Haynes. You may know who I'm talking about here. It may follow in that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they bring a Yuletide miracle to the boys' World War II general as a, as a miracle happens at a flailing Vermont inn. Scrooge, classic. You know, here's a man who has just a hard heart. He's mean and he's bitter. And a miracle happens in his heart to where he becomes generous and a giver and a pillar in his community. Clark. Dear, dear Clark. Clark ends up getting the bonus check just in the nick of time. Because in January, he's going to have the largest electric bill he's ever seen in his life. And he gets to throw a pool in as well. Hallmark movie. Any of them. Um, you know, it, it starts out with, you know, there's a person who left their small little hometown because they you know, just wanted to escape, wanted to get away. And they go and become, they become very, very um, successful in corporate America. And then they come back to their little small town to visit family during Christmas, only to find out their, their town is in crisis and it's about to completely fall apart and shut down. And, 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 and on top of that, Christmas is in crisis as well. And Christmas might not happen. Oh no, I'm glad it's not lit yet. Um, and somehow this person comes back and not only saves Christmas, but saves the town and falls in love with their high school sweetheart. And there you go. Um, if you haven't seen any Hallmark films, sorry, I just, you know, pretty much spoil alert on every one of them. Um, uh, 
Yeah, man, those things are on my house a lot. My mom and my wife watch those things, and every once in a while I just stick my head in and go, yeah, yeah, same thing. And this, you know. Um, but here's the deal is, is they all speak to us in the sense that there's hope. I mean, that reconciliation could happen, that forgiveness could happen, that a broken relationship from the past can be restored, that loneliness can be a thing of the past. And those are things that, um, no matter what the circumstances are in life, those are things that we seek because inside there's a gnawing thing in us that says, can I really experience peace? You know, is joy a real possibility? Can, Can I be convinced that my life has meaning and value? And so on Christmas, as we listen and we watch these movies, we think maybe a miracle can happen. And yet, in, also in our minds, and even tonight, we may be thinking, you know, um, I wonder, tomorrow night, you know, after the family, after the friends, after the presence, after the food, if I'm going to be left with my thoughts and still have the same problems, the same level of anxiety, and think, you know, nothing's changed. Christmas, many people say it's about a lot of different things. But one of the things God says is about experiencing real peace. And so can we experience Christmas and experience the peace that God says he offers? In Luke chapter 2, we just heard some of the story, and we're just going to revisit it as we walk through this. But in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Now, angel coming down, angels coming down to proclaim really the most incredible um, event in human history that God took on flesh and is being born. And, and the angels come to shepherds. And shepherds, you know, are pretty much what you imagine them to be. Uh, they're, they're doing a job that some children can do. And so they're not paid well. They are, you know, not rolling in the dollars. They are financially in trouble. They are struggling. And 24-7, they're living with sheep, which means that not only financially are they not looked up to, but socially they're not looked up to because they smell like sheep. And so people aren't looking forward to, hey, let's go hang out with some shepherds. And on top of that, not only socially, but one of the things that socially kind of uh, puts a stigma on them is that they're not able to participate in some of the cultural things happening in their community. Uh, that they are, um, they're watching sheep seven days a week, and that means they can't participate in the, in the Sabbath. In fact, they violate the Sabbath by doing work on the Sabbath. Being with these dirty animals makes them ceremonially, ceremonially unclean, so they cannot take, in some of the, take part in some of the festivals and the, and the weekly activities of the, their friends and neighbors or fellow Jews who they grew up with. And so they are on the fringes. They are not well thought of. And that night, as they were in uh, watching their sheep, no doubt, you know, they questioned, they had questions about God. You know, the God of my people. 
God's people doesn't, don't really care for me. Does God even care for me? And God came to shepherds in the form of the angels and made a great announcement to them. You see, um, I can just see him saying, you know, in heaven, God saying, okay, get, gather around angels. Gabriel, I want you to take a group of them, go on down, and I want you to announce my arrival. And so here's where I want you to go. I want you to go outside this little town called Bethlehem, and I want you to go to shepherds and tell them. You see, there, there's not a marketing firm that ever existed that would say this is a good plan. You know, go to shepherds. But God knew what he was doing. God, God does things all the time, totally outside the realm of what we think. And here he's making a statement right out of the gate that there are no insignificant people in the eyes of God. Go and proclaim the greatest announcement of the world and proclaim it to these shepherds. God came for all people. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You know, it was mentioned that for 400 years that God was silent as they anticipated a Messiah coming. And that what, what they were thinking is somebody that's going to overthrow the government, that's going to get these, these people who are thinking so wrong politically, get them out and get the right thinkers in. So God was going to send a politician or he's going to send a general to overthrow um, the Roman Empire and get their pagan people off of this God's people in, in Israel. And so that was the challenge, and that was the thinking, is, is the Messiah is going to be a politician, a soldier, a judge maybe, at the very least a reformer? But the announcement is, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. It was a message of peace. God is sending a Savior so you can have peace. And they were experiencing a form of peace, because it was Pax Romana. Um, Rome went and conquered pretty much the known world and then set up Pax Romana because they had built a, super, a, a, a structure, an infrastructure where there was roads connecting all these lands and all these peoples. There was now a common language. There was, um, there's aqueducts keeping areas alive and, and functioning well. And now Pax Romana said, you can travel. You can have trade with places you've never had before, and so the economy could be flourishing like it never experienced before. And so they were experiencing, for about 20-some years now, Pax Romana. But God says, I'm bringing you a peace that Pax Romana can't bring. In fact, Stoic philosophers um, talked about this, and there's one Stoic philosopher named Epictetus, and he was a first-century philosopher, and he said this, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart for which man yearns more than even the outward peace. See, the absence of war doesn't guarantee peace in our heart. In fact, any, lots of good circumstances don't guarantee peace in our heart. And yet when, when God was saying, peace on earth, he was saying shalom, 
which is much different than peace from war. It's talking about a peace that is whole, that is complete, that hits the depths of your soul. Those, that's the peace that we're longing for. We chase lots of different things and say, I, I want joy. Can I experience contentment? Can I experience peace? And God says, that's what I came for so that you can have peace in your soul. And suddenly there was an angel and a multitude of angels of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, peace among those whom he is well pleased. And so who is the peace for? It's for those which who he is pleased. Now, Man, I, I, here's where my head goes with this. And this is where many people's head go when they think about what's a Christian, what's a good follower of God, you know, what does that look like? And my head instantly goes to um, obeying him, you know, obeying him. And who's he pleased with? He's pleased with people who are doing what he says. And that's where the thought goes. And so follow rules, obey rules. And yet God says, that's a lie. That's not a Christian. That's not a follower of me. Because that does not bring you peace. That brings pressure. That, that brings um, looking at life and going, okay, I want to be good, and uh, thinking maybe I don't even know what God says is good. But then we're left with our thoughts thinking, well, I'm going to try to be good according to how I think, and I don't even measure up to my idea of good. I disappoint myself. And so what must God be thinking of me? And so simple obedience, thinking that maybe I make God happy with me, uh, doesn't bring peace. It brings pressure, and then it brings disappointment and guilt. And then I started thinking, well, maybe I'm not, not going to share myself. I'm not going to be transparent. I'm not going to be vulnerable because if people know me like I know me, they'll be disappointed in me like I am. And God's saying, don't be sucked into that lie. He's saying, you know how you please me? It's by trusting me. You know, we, we hear grace a lot and associated with God. God is a God of grace. You know, grace, by definition, can't be earned. And yet, many of us live our lives trying to earn it. We're chasing a lie. We're chasing a lie. He said, uh, you know, the grace of God and the good news of Christmas is all about God. It's not about you. You see, having peace with God so that God is pleased with you is not about what you do. It's about what he's done. And so do we trust in who he is and what he's done? And once we understand that, all of a sudden we get off this moral, this moral um, kick of I got to make God happy to all of a sudden realizing God loves me. No matter what I do, he loves me perfectly and he knows me, which is an even crazier thought because sometimes we think, oh yeah, God loves humanity, but I have a problem with his love for me. And God says he knows you perfectly. He knows you better than you, than you know yourself ultimately, and he still loves you and he pursues you.
First, our John 1, verses 11 and 12 says this. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. This is talking about Jesus. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, and, and to say I believe in your name is, is to say I believe that in everything that you are, in everything that you do. So who every, ever believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. You see, the Graceland says, um, I'm not thinking about how good I am in order to make God happy with me. No, the Graceland says, I'm thinking about how good God is. Um, he loves me so much, he pursued me. I mean, that's the goodness of God. He's made a way for me to be forgiven. Forgiven from my selfishness. Forgiven from me just ignoring him. And he wants me to be his son, his child, his daughter. And so he offers forgiveness because of what he did for me. And then he says, I'll never be alone. No, no matter what happens in life, when things are dark, um, he'll never leave me. He'll never leave me alone. And he'll start doing in me something that um, I can't do in myself, and that is he'll start making me into the person he created me to be. And with that comes an identity that's unshakable, that we spend so much time chasing. What is my identity that gives me value and worth? And God says, how's this? I know you, and I love you, and I held nothing back in my pursuit of you. Rest in that. That's the grace lens. That's the grace of God. The key that unlocks the treasure chest of God's peace is faith in Jesus and what he's done. Jesus said this to his followers, to those who were trusting in him, peace I leave you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you, but let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 15 says this, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Not in doing, not in trying harder, but in believing, trusting in the goodness of God. You see, when I start thinking about the goodness of God, I start realizing he's trustworthy. And it's not a burden to follow him, but you are trustworthy, and so I will follow because I want to. Not because I'm trying to get you to like me. That's been settled. You know, an interesting thing that's studying this week that hit me is, is those shepherds who were out in the fields watching sheep had the angels come to him and said, hey, um, the, uh, the, the perfect sacrificial lamb was born. The savior of the world was born. You know what sheep they were watching? They were watching sheep that were to be used as sacrifices in the temple. The Mishnah um, tells us, that's the oral Jewish tradition, it tells us that um, any sheep found from the temple to the um, outskirts of Bethlehem, those sheep were, were marked to be used in temple sacrifice. Now this is something that had been going on for, for hundreds and hundreds of years because that was set up to, um, to recognize that 
ultimately we need to be right with God. And what, what separates us from God is our selfishness, our sin, our, our desire to say, hey, God, I, you know, I, I know you have a plan, but I really trust me more than you. And so I'm doing my thing, and it'd be great if you'd bless it. Well, that ultimately is arrogance. That's saying I'm putting myself on the throne of my life when there's a God who made me and has a plan for my life, and I'm ignoring it. And that sin separates us from God. And so they began the, the, these religious traditions back in the Hebrew Bible that reminded them that you know sin doesn't have I mean sin has consequence. And it separates you from God. And there needs to be, in order for the justice of God to be met, there needs to be sacrifice for you to be given. So um, be, to be forgiven. So they'd take sheep and they would put them and sacrifice them on an altar, helping them remember that that sheep is covering the penalty of our family's sins. And God, we, we need forgiveness. We need your forgiveness. And so those were the sheep that these shepherds were overseeing. And now the angels come and said, uh, the ultimate sheep, the perfect lamb of God that will once and for all be the perfect sacrifice for sin has been born. That's pretty cool. God's a good God. And then he says, for unto you, and, and this is the angels talking to the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior. That's personal. That's not, I came for all mankind in general, but I came for you. And so the hope that is offered and the peace that is offered in Christmas is personal. And the question is, are you going to trust in God and what he's done for you so that you can be forgiven? That is the beautiful hope of Christmas. Peace has arrived and he has a name. Now, I know deep in your heart, no matter where you're at in your spiritual journey, maybe this is brand new. And this is the first time you're hearing the story of the first Christmas. Um, you know, I got to believe that deep in your heart that you know that you are not a cosmic accident. That your life has meaning and value and purpose. Well, the Bible says that ultimately what satisfies those longings in your heart and those questions in your heart is, is for you to go back to your origins. And that's to go back to your maker and to be made right with the God who created you to have a relationship with him. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And who is he pleased with? Those who choose to place their trust in him and what he did for us. You know, on this uh, Christmas Eve of 2022, 
Uh, for some of you, maybe you have considered yourself you know, religious and on a spiritual journey, but you realize today, uh, I have been trying to earn the love of God. And ultimately, I realize that that is fruitless. I mean, how can we ever think we can be good enough to deserve standing in the presence of God? And God says, it's not about what you do for me. It's about what I've done for you. Will you trust me? And maybe in your journey, this is really new. Um, but it's resonating. And man, your heart is beating and you feel like this is truth. I, I want to give you an opportunity to just respond to God. And, and a prayer is just talking to God. It's just having a conversation with God. And so I'm going to give you a chance just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And, and the focus is not on anybody else in this room, but the focus is on um, you and God. And if today you feel led to respond to him and place your trust in him and what he's done for you, then I just tell him something like, God, I thank you for your love that you have clearly demonstrated to, to me and for me. And I know I need to be at peace with you. So I ask you to forgive me. And I choose to trust in what you've done for me through Jesus. God, thank you for forgiveness. And help me to remember to trust you every day that you're with me, that you'll never leave me alone. Help me to remember that you know me perfectly and love me fully. That I am not an accident that my life has meaning and purpose and was given to me by you. And no matter what life brings, um, I know I will never be alone. And may that realization and these truths sink into my soul so that I might experience peace this Christmas in a new way, in the way that you intended. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, if, uh, if you prayed to God with me uh, today, then I'm going to ask you to do something. And, you know, I know that as soon as this moment is broken, it's easy to ignore it. But I'm going to ask you to do something. It's not very scary. It doesn't take long. But as soon as we're done if, and we're dismissed, if you can go out those middle doors and immediately to your right or left are desks, with a couple people behind them and just let them know, um, hey, I prayed along with Bill today. And they're not gonna say, hey, over here, we got one. They're not gonna do anything like that to embarrass you at all. Uh, but we have something for you. It's just, and what it is, it's just a sheet of paper that has verses on it that reinforce what you just did. It, it's, it just helps you, remind you of the decision you just made because you know, um, you know, our minds play tricks on us. And it's like, what did I do? And what was, what was it for? And so it's good to be able to have that to go back on to say, oh yeah, yeah, that does make sense. I did do that. And then also on that sheet is some information, just a, a couple practical ideas on, um, 
here's a couple things that have been helpful for people as they begin this new next chapter in the relationship with God. And so it just gives a couple ideas. Um, if, if they work for you, use them. If not, find something that does, okay? But we just want to get that in your hand. And if you're watching online and you prayed along with me uh, today, then you can go to rollinghills.org slash next steps. And there'll be an electronic card that comes up. It'll just ask for your name and your decision. And then it will um, ask, how can we contact you? Because we're going to send you that. All right. So we can get that into your hands as well. We're not going to do anything else. Um, we're not going to spam call you or whatever. Um, we, we just want to get that information into your hand as well. And uh, so go online, rollinghills.org slash next steps. And we'll be happy to get that to you. Now, one of the things that Jesus said about himself in John chapter eight says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And man, that, that speaks to me personally. There's time in this world where um, the, the messages are just confusing and uh, a lot of anger, a lot of opposition. And I'm thinking, where, where's some, some truth and light? And, and so I read the Bible and I read some things from God and all of a sudden he just gives me a breath of fresh air. And he's like, gosh, you, God, you, you cut through the fog and the confusion of light with your truth. And, uh, and he says, ultimately, that's what he does. He's the light of the world, even in dark places. And then he says this, um, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so whenever we offer forgiveness, we're reflecting the heart of God. Whatever, whenever we love somebody who's hard to love, whenever we stick up for somebody who's being mistreated and they don't have the influence, but we do and so we stick up, whenever we use our influence or affluence to, use, to, to help anybody who has less, less of both, we're reflecting the heart and the light of God. And so every year what we do is we do a candlelight service and so that's what we're gonna do right now. So you can get your candle out and this is just a, a symbolism of us reflecting the light of God in the world as we love people like God does and like God loves you. And so you're going to have an unlit candle and, and somebody's going to come along with a lit candle. And so what you do, the unlit candle goes sideways. Okay. So just whatever's lit, that thing stays straight up and down. Unlit comes on the side gets lit, then it goes straight up and down. The next person next to you comes on the side and then it goes and then so forth and so forth. So the worship team is going to come down. They're going to light. I may be down the aisle. Where are you guys going to light? You know, they're going to light. And, um, and we're going to enjoy the candle part of our Christmas Eve gathering as we continue to worship. <laughs> 